Welcome to the Align Nutrition Podcast, a place where eating doesn't get in the way of living. We use science and psychology to move past the challenges you face while healing your relationship to food. I'm your host, Erica Drury, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. For the past 10 years, I've been helping people like you find a happy medium of flow and balance with eating. If solving these issues were easy, you would have figured it out already. Expect to learn a new way. Each week, you'll hear trainings, listen in on mini coaching sessions from people on your same path, and learn from other guest professionals. I'm so glad you've joined me. Erica here. I wanted to pop in before we hop into the episode to give you some background on what we'll be covering today and who we have with us. So from the very beginning, we've been talking about stories on this podcast, stories from you, people just like you going through this, and guest experts who can offer a broader perspective and different points of experience that I can be sharing with you. So today we are joined by Caitlin Parsons. She is an intuitive eating and body image coach. She is a fantastic wealth of knowledge, and I know you're going to love the conversation that we had. You can find Caitlin at her website at www.caitlinparsons.com. She also has her own podcast, The Modern Girl Podcast, which I'll be on in the next couple months. And you can really get to know her and connect with her on Instagram at caitlin.parson. She spells her name K-A-T-E-L-Y-N. So definitely check her out. We'll link to all of that in the show notes as well. And I can't wait for you to hear what we have to say today. Welcome back to the Align Nutrition Podcast. I'm really excited to introduce to you today a special guest we have. Welcome, Caitlin. Caitlin is a certified holistic health coach, intuitive eating counselor, and certified food and body image coach who in her private practice works with high-achieving women all over the country who are fed up with feeling controlled by negative food and body image patterns. She lives in sunny San Diego with her husband. Caitlin, we're really glad to have you on the show today. And today I'm looking forward to chatting with you about intuitive eating and restoring the mind-body connection, how they emerge together, how they connect and what ways we can cultivate them within ourselves. So welcome. Thank you so much. And that was such a beautiful introduction, Erica. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Absolutely. Could you tell me more about you and the work that you do to share with our listeners? Yes, definitely. So just to give you a high-level overview of how I even got into this work, this really stems from my personal relationship with food and my body, which began at a very, very young age. I won't give you a novel version of this story, but I I was really thrown into restriction around food when I was a baby because I had a, a milk allergy. And that forced me to restrict any type of dairy products from a really, really young age. And wow. this was, yeah, this was pre like trendy vegans and plant-based foods and all of the things. And so I can't even imagine my mom and, and what she was up against during that time because there just weren't a lot of options. And so 
that was the first time that I had ever experienced restriction just based on my body. I had to restrict that from a a medical purpose, right? So that stays with us. It stays in our bodies. It absolutely stays in our bodies. And I didn't actually make that connection until quite quite recently in the past year and a half, I I think that's when I really kind of went back there. I had kind of buried it. But anyways, I got the green light to go ahead and eat dairy products at the end of my adolescence. I was going into middle school. And so I experienced the opposite at that point. You know, I wanted all of the foods, all of the cheeses and milkshakes and everything that I couldn't have because I was a kid. And I also wanted to taste everything for the first time. So it was this experience of kind of coming up for air. And at the same time, I was being launched into middle school and puberty and my body was changing. And I had really my first body awareness moment where I really realized, oh, this is this is something that people pay attention to. Our bodies, especially as women, hold a lot of power. And I started to play around with restricting food in a quote unquote healthy way and went on my first diet when I was 12. And very innocently, of course, that led to weight loss and getting praise and just the reinforcement for that and kind of put me on this cycle of restriction and perfection and body objectification and all of these things for a really long time. And at the end of middle school, that that actually led to bulimia because I just, my poor body just couldn't handle the restriction anymore. And I also wasn't you know, I, I wasn't diagnosed with anorexia at that point. I was really, I was getting a lot of praise for being like the healthy eater and being having really great willpower. And when I started kind of playing around with bulimia, I didn't even really know it was a thing at that time. It wasn't really something that was talked about. I knew one other girl who was bulimic and it was scary to me. And so I kind of just kept really quiet about this and had this secret restrict binge purge pattern through all of my high school into college, got really, really bad in college, went through a lot of periods of healing, like pseudo healing, and then recovery and pseudo healing and recovery. I also was very much still in that restriction phase through my recovery periods as well, too. You don't realize that you're in it, you know? You don't. Yeah. You're better. You think you're past it. Well, and also, Erica, I I look back now and, you know, of course, I've, I've gone through so much therapy and support and coaching and everything. And I'm in, I'm in therapy. I think I'll probably always be in therapy. I just believe in it so much. But I really look back at that time and thought, like, what was the catalyst? What, like, what was really perpetuating the bulimia? And so many things, physically, mentally, emotionally, but I wasn't giving myself a fighting chance because I was still restricting. And because I was still in this, like, I was in this vicious cycle of, I mean, looking back now, like not eating all day or eating very little all day long. And then reaching that breaking point at the end where I was emotionally taxed, just mentally distraught, physically hungry, and kind of planning out my binge alone by myself because I was also, it was, it was a big secret. And then the euphoria with the purge and kind of that whole vicious cycle and over-exercising and all the things. So anyways, it was very, very taxing as, as I'm sure you can imagine. And I 
reached this point in my mid twenties where I hit another moment of just rock bottomness with bulimia and that perpetuated me into this new territory of health that I had never really tried before. And truthfully, I almost, I not almost, I did start going down this orthorexic pattern with food where it was really using healthy food in an unhealthy way. And so Mm -hmm. suddenly I was, and I was still binging too. So it was binging on acid green smoothies and giant trees of vegetables and boxes of granola and just all of the healthy things and going really, really deep down rabbit holes of plant-based blogs. And, you know, I got really into whatever diet Beyonce was doing at the time and just all of the plant-based community and just food as medicine and all of these things in a very disordered way. It's really interesting because I was still binging and the fact that I was very much almost like from this religious perspective of feeling like this is the answer. This is the way, this is how you heal. This is how I healed. And during that time, I got so interested in it. I went back, I got my certification in health coaching because I thought like, wow, I can like literally live and breathe this obsession and teach it to other people. And even though I had that intuitive hit that it was very disordered. And I mean, I was physically binging every single day. Yeah. I It was a big secret. I still felt like it was an easy way to have a disguise for that because I was yeah. quote unquote, like the healthy person. And I could kind of get by in committing my life to researching health and staying healthy even so hard to like disorder. know the difference yeah. of like passion and obsession when you're living that. You feel like you're doing what makes sense. 100%. And it was my identity too. You know, I was, I had really put myself in that position to wear that identity, kind of like a, a name tag. I wanted to quickly define orthorexia for the listeners because I haven't talked about that much on the podcast yet. But when we're looking at it's exactly how Caitlin, how you were describing that, you know, obsession with eating healthfully and purity and kind of that like religious tone with it, that morality that I'm going to be saved. And it's really looking at it's hard to identify sometimes from the outside, but that degree of obsessiveness around it and that rigidity and that and to what extent it takes away from other areas of your life. So thank you for bringing that up. That's really important. Yeah. Thanks for giving me space to share. I I think it's important. I think it's really confusing right now, especially in wellness culture and just this new pseudo dieting that our society is experiencing right now and healthism and just all of these concepts that feel very innocent. And, And truthfully, I mean, I get it. I get that primal desire to want to be healthy. And then I also think that there's this undertone of oh God, like this sounds really morbid, but people are afraid of dying. People are afraid of cancer. People are afraid of harming their bodies in ways. And then all of the judgment that goes into the judgment and the shame around like, oh my gosh, I'm eating this. And this is leading to the demise of my my health and my life. And it's very dark. And I don't think it's talked about nearly enough. And yeah, it's one of the drivers of one of the drivers. Yeah. It's, it's very much one of the drivers. Absolutely. And I was, caught up in that, very much caught up in that. And so when I was caught up in that and still 
binging because essentially I was restricting through orthorexia and, you know, restricting physically, restricting emotionally, restricting mentally. I always like to make that distinction. I reached another moment where it was not only that personal moment for myself where it was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I I can't keep doing this. Like I just, I, I'm exhausted, but I also had tremendous imposter syndrome because I was, I was coaching. I was full-time in, in my private practice, helping other women heal their relationships with food. And I, you know, not even from a, a weight loss perspective at all. I, I didn't even really know that much about intuitive eating at the time. I just had this intuitive nudge that that's not the direction that I wanted to go, yeah. but I was still very much caught up in my disorder. And so I took a step back. I got some help. I got started working with an amazing therapist who I'm still working with today and really got into some amazing support groups. And I reread the book, Intuitive Eating. Mm -hmm. I told my eyes were totally open to it in a completely different way. And um, interesting how much you change and then you see things so differently. It's the same information, but just interpreted. Yeah, absolutely. And I in that moment, I knew that I needed to do the work myself and I needed to go through the concepts and the principles myself and really heal just inside out and really release that perfection as well too and really just start walking my talk. And I was just totally changed my practice, got my formal training with Evelyn Triboli, the author of Intuitive Eating through that certification process. Amazing. And and then went on to do just additional training and body image and and all of these things. And so really that's my bread and butter now, just women who are struggling specifically with binge eating and body image and really helping them get to a peaceful place with their relationship with food and really an empowered place as well too, because all of the women truly are that I work with are very smart, know a lot about nutrition in general. They, I mean, they tell me things all the time that I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness, like you're teaching me. And how can we apply this so it serves you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like nutrition education is not the issue with any of my clients. <laughs> but a lot of my clients are very purpose driven. They're mm-hmm. thought leaders. They're highly ambitious and yeah. just are reaching a point where they realize this is this is interfering now. This is interfering mm-hmm. with the message that I have to share with the world and the life that I want to live. You know, mm-hmm. I think they're sick and tired of thinking about their body when they're in conversations with their girlfriends or the partners yes. or yeah. It's like just, you in sixth grade, that just like painful yeah. awareness, it stays with so many of us because we never go back to basics and heal ourselves like yes. we did, you know? And that's truly it, back to basics. I mean, there are so many moments with clients where I say that all the time, where we just kind of chuckle and say like, this is so obvious. This is so <laughs> simple, but is it really? Like, is it really? That's such an amazing opportunity to exercise self-compassion in those moments where it seems glaringly obvious. You might feel a little silly thinking like, oh, well, why didn't I just do this before? But mm-hmm. there are so many, there is so much unlearning to be done in the process of healing our relationships with food and body image. Mm-hmm. And also very countercultural in the society that we're living in as well too. I mean, we're just constantly bombarded with these messages without even really re- recognizing it as well either. So it's quite a lot. 
there's a lot of things working against us in this experience. And yeah, I'm really, I just get so fired up to do this work now, especially going through it myself and continuing to be on the journey and really committing to that and sharing that with clients too. You know, I'm not done. Like I'm, we never are. When I'm done, I'm dead. You know, there's <laughs> yeah. always, there's always a next level. There's, we're always growing. We're always evolving. There's always something to learn. Yes. Oh, and that's, that's one of the reasons that I was really drawn to you and how you practice because you do, you come from this very open space, yet you're also mature and experienced and guiding people through it because of your training in addition to your own experience. And I think that blend is so powerful. And you know, I was thinking about one of the things with your story and just that kind of when you sort of took that detour where you're coming out of this kind of like worst place, right? Where you're like, all right, I'm deep in restriction. I'm in this binge purge cycle. I know this isn't good. I can feel it in my heart. And then you were just really just trying your best with what you had at the time to seek out other ways. How can I heal myself? Eat a bunch of vegetables. Okay, cool. I'll do it. Oh, look into this approach. Okay, cool. I'll do it. And I think so many people that's really what their realistic, like messy path is. And I think it's something now that I'd love to kind of spend a minute talking about that kind of piece where you were talking about that, like degree of orthorexia. And and I think a lot of people struggle with this, hey, I'm trying to heal my body. And I'm trying, I know there's like, I've there's been years of things done to it, right? Like whether that was not connecting with myself or doing you know, asking it to run on too little nutrients or making it exercise when it wanted rest or whatever. And then you're also balancing that, like not triggering into that, like kind of overly rigid, obsessive, like restrictive state. How, how did you do it? Or how do you kind of approach that with clients where you're kind of swinging back and forth and trying to find your way? That is such a great question. And Just that question alone, I think, is something that most people are very curious about when they get started in this work. And I want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly, too. Just from how you're asking it, it it almost seems like it's this fear of, okay, I want to heal my relationship with food and my body, but I also don't want to just like throw in the towel with my health. So how do I actually have health that is sustainable without obsessing about it all of the time? And how do you find that quote unquote balance? Am I hearing you correctly? Yes. Beautiful. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's so, it's so challenging and it's also not so challenging. It really is just a process of truly just identifying like, Hey, this is something I'm committing to. This is something that I'm, that I'm intentionally prioritizing in my life getting curious, observing rather than judging, observing patterns, observing emotions, observing your mental state, observing your physical state. Like those are my three pillars if you haven't picked up on it already, but physical, mental, emotional, I mean, they're, they really hold hands for everything that we do and can always be the foundation for most things. And so really just intention and saying, okay, this is, this is what I'm prioritizing. Curiosity and observation with that compassion, deep self-compassion, as well as committing to the unlearning and relearning process, which can be tricky. And it's very important because especially when we heal our relationship with food and body image, it's imperative that we go through this unlearning process, that we really 
are hyper aware of the messages that we've picked up on, the beliefs that we formed, the habits that have become a part of us without even realizing it that are actually doing more harm than good. And understanding how they're fitting into our life right now, how they're helping or harming us, and deciding for ourselves how to navigate them, whether it's removing them with love, whether it's gently keeping them in and and shifting them into a less rigid approach, or if it's just adding something else in and, and perhaps it just falls by the wayside naturally, right? And mm-hmm. so it's staying open to that and truly like this concept of continuing to add in and becoming curious and recognizing that health, I think one of the things that creates this like sustainable balance and sustainable health is also realizing that health is so much more than food and body. When we can really apply that to our lives and commit to continue coming back to that and measuring that for ourselves, how are we sleeping at night? How are our relationships? How are we aligning ourselves with our values, our personal core values? How's our emotional health? How's movement and in terms of how we're moving our body and in terms of adequate nourishment and all of these other things, hobbies, how is that in terms of just, are we enjoying life? There are so many other things to measure. And so truthfully, adding in variety mm-hmm. in all areas, physically, mentally, and emotionally is, is, I think, one of the best ways to achieve that holistic health that is sustainable for the long run and just creates this this confidence and this happiness and this ability to live your life more intentionally. You're probably listening because you want expert help changing the way you think about food. If you're tired of piecing together random information and doing this alone, we have everything you need in Realign Community, where for only $79 a month, you get live support from me, weekly calls, videos and worksheets, a community Facebook group, and email support so you can figure out where you're stuck and take action. You can check that all out at realignedcommunity.com. It sounds like so much less of a struggle, you know, where you're embracing the human condition and all of our emotions, all of our physical needs. And when those are fulfilled, it's almost like the food, you know, with intuitive eating, you're becoming the expert of your own body. And so the way you're describing it, it just, it sounds so respectful and dignified of the people who are seeking out this healing because trusting that they will discover through all of this variety and connection, their own version of what they need. Yes, absolutely. And they will. And I am so, I'm so passionate about that as well, too. Whenever I start this process with a new client, I always use the analogy of, hey, this is like learning how to drive. This is really like learning how to trust your body, learning how to eat intuitively feels really scary at first. And I'm kind of like the, the person in the passenger seat of your driver's ed course, just mm-hmm. checking in, making sure that you're not going to go off a, a cliff <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, kind of like steering you back and asking questions and guiding you. But you're really the one who has the hands on the steering wheel here. You're in control and you know your body better than anybody else. With your expertise and training around body image, it's something that I find can become intermixed with this self-care and how you view yourself and how you're experiencing your body and and how, you know, what 
emotions, what thoughts you're having. And that can really weave together and almost make food feel kind of blurry or like you were saying before, like really be a distraction in our lives. You know, we're with our friends and we're thinking about our jeans waistband, you know, or whether we, you know, feel comfortable in the shirt that we're wearing. And beyond vanity, it's like, how do you see the food and body image kind of weave together in this journey? Oh, I love this question. The first thing that comes to mind with my clients that I support, and I maybe we can just kind of start there and, mm-hmm. and open it up to a broader community. But, you know, a lot of the times food is triggering for body image, especially if you are caught in that restrict binge cycle. And so yeah. when I'm working with clients, and almost all of my clients are at, to some capacity, and when I say binge, I'm I'm not necessarily speaking to binge eating disorder. It's it's more or less feeling out of control around food, feeling just uncomfortably full after eating. And that could be attributed to restricting through the day, not eating enough food throughout the day, skipping meals, timed eating, moving your body more than you're eating a lot of different components. And again, this is where it can be really helpful working with somebody who has that objective feedback because we can't see the forest through the tree sometimes and learn from my experience. Don't spend years of your life trying to do this on your own and figure it out on your own. I don't, I didn't know any, I didn't know any like intuitive eating coaches or counselors or nothing when I was really struggling with it. Nothing. It didn't, Um, it wasn't as like widespread and I'm so grateful that it is now. Yeah. I didn't even know any health coaches when I was like holistic health coaches are, it just didn't exist in terms of the support that it does today. So anyways, one of the reasons why it can be so triggering is because when you are in that cycle of constantly feeling uncomfortable through binging or through overeating, and if this is a chronic pattern for you, even if it's quote unquote, eating clean three days out of the week, hitting Wednesday or Thursday and feeling like, screw it, I can't anymore. And just kind of starting your weekend on that day and going through through Sunday and starting to eat clean on Monday. That's a pattern that I see a lot of my clients before we start working together. And I mean, that brings up all kinds of body image insecurity because when you're not physically comfortable in your body through the discomfort of overeating consecutively, it starts to create that mental dialogue and all of these negative thoughts and all of these shaming thoughts and all of this judgment and all of this guilt. And then that's usually when the body checking starts to come in. And that's usually when the preoccupation with whether it's weighing yourself or measuring your clothes or hands on the body or all of these things. And just a lot of unfortunate messaging just in the mirror too, just looking at ourselves. And I think if you've ever struggled with this restrict binge cycle, you can most likely relate to this in some way of just feeling like, oh my gosh, I. I don't like my body right now. Like I don't like myself and getting caught up in that. And so until we're at a place where it really is more of that neutral playing ground with, with our relationship with food, when we've, when we've really addressed the binges, I'm really adamant about that. Just in my own, in my own practice, I know that every coach, every counselor and therapist comes at this differently, but I think it's really difficult to do body image work if you are caught up in the restrict binge cycle, because 
it's such a tangible for most people. You're physically feeling that. And it's also, for a lot of people, a pretty easy cycle to break once you're committed to it and once you have the tools and the support and and some structure around it as well, too. It's not about creating food rules. It's really about getting objective with, hey, where are some missing pieces that I can't really recognize right now? How do I add in some things and just really start to look at this differently, apply some things differently? And normally, I can usually support somebody in getting their binges under control within the first month. I agree. And so, and I want to share that because, yeah, I mean, a lot a lot of people think like, I've struggled with this for years. I'm never going to be able to, to do it. And it is possible. And obviously, it's different for everybody too. But yeah, I, I want to share that to your hope. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and the steps and the strategies to move from that like restriction to abundance and establishing a rhythm. And like you said, it's so important because when you're in that restrict binge cycle, your digestion isn't right. It can impact your appetite, your hormones, like everything. And so there is just this like physical disturbance that's happening and that, you know, kind of that disparity between the two states, it just creates such unpredictability and frustration that you're right, so uncomfortable. You know, one of the things also that people don't really identify a lot as well either is sleep patterns. It is imperative that we get good sleep to be able to make empowered choices around food and our body and just our life during the day. If we're binging to a point where it's disrupting our sleep quality, that is absolutely something that we have to address. And for a lot of people, that is a piece of the puzzle. And yeah, if you're not sleeping a lot, your emotions are higher, it's your hormones are shifting, ghrelin and leptin is off. which are your hunger and fullness hormones. I mean, it really does create this cascade in a lot of different ways. Oh, absolutely. That's where I love, you know, looking through that lens of kind of having that physical and that emotional and mental components because it does take both and they interact with each other. You know, if you're trying to improve your mindset, but you're still eating so chaotically that your body's pulling you into all these different things and you know, your mentality is a way for you to make sense of your experience. Like we have to fix the physical piece to help you kind of recover that confidence and that predictability and that balance so that you can yeah, go on to be discovering what makes sense for you food-wise. Yeah. yeah. It's building that trust. It's rebuilding that trust, just like any relationship, just like if you were in a tumultuous relationship, with a a lover or just a friend or a family member and you realize, hey, I can't do this back and forth anymore. I need some stability. I need to be able to trust you. I need to know that we can have a copacetic playing field for this relationship to grow and flourish and build trust with each other. It's the same with our bodies. Our bodies, ourselves, it's the most important relationship that, that we'll ever be in. Oh, I love that. It's perfect. And it just really illustrates kind of that relationship between body image and food and kind of that, that timeline that you flow through as you're healing and getting better. And I think an important takeaway on what you were saying is this ability to first find neutrality with your body respect, and then, you know, kind of setting that aside and knowing that, hey, we've got to get the basics under control before body image can really be touched. Is that how you tend to see it play out for you and your clients? Yeah, mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think that 
one other asterisk to that as well, too, is that body image is not just about our physical bodies. It's really about how we feel about our bodies. And so when I say that we don't do body image work until a little bit later on, we're doing it right out of the gate because you're in your body and that really is body image work. However, in terms of the unlearning and relearning and body history and cultural elements and societal elements and messaging and all of these things that if you are in this restrict binge cycle, you just don't have the brain space to be able to show up and, and learn that and kind of unpack that for yourself. Most people don't, I should say. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's a distraction and that actually comes sooner for some clients, but that's I, I work individually with every client because everybody has a different need. So, but yes, to answer your question, that is typically the path, just really making sure we have a neutral playing field in terms of food and then getting into deeper body image work and where this really comes from. And truthfully, fears around our bodies changing. For most people, for most women, especially, it is this deep fear of gaining weight, of growing older, of aging, you know, of our bodies changing. And that is really because of, I mean, so many things, but all of the messaging that we've really been receiving at this point in our lives, whether it's coming from our families, our friends, just the system in general, you know, there are so many subconscious messages being thrown around about what a good body is, what type of body is more apt for success or worthiness and all of these BS concepts that I'm just like, I get on my soapbox about and I'm like ready to just take it all down. Right. (laughs) There's a lot. There's a lot here. We could do a whole other podcast on this. (laughs) We could. We should. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing about those connections and how you see, you know, body image and just overall that shift from restriction to healing and really also sharing your story. You know, I think it's so important to be able to, it's not required, but I think when you really understand where your clients have been and yet also are coming from the season place and are meeting them where they're at as individuals, it's just really powerful. So I really, really appreciate you sharing that with everyone today. And I know that our listeners will get a ton out of it. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share and to leave everybody with a a heartfelt thought. I know how it feels to be in this and the shame and the judgment. And it took me a long time to be able to share this this story, to be able to share my story this transparently. And you know, now it really is this part of my practice where I I truly can be with clients and and share honestly that. There's not much you can say when it comes to food and body that I haven't done myself. And so I think that a lot of people go through that though without having the opportunity to share that. And so just a reminder to everybody that wherever you are in your journey, whatever you're going through, I promise you, you are not alone. I promise you, you are not alone. There are probably people in your life closer than you think who are experiencing the same struggles, discomfort shame, insecurity, all of these things. And there's absolutely a path for, for you. Yes. Oh, yes. To everything you said, it's so, so true. And, you know, even looking at statistics and thinking about, yeah, what that means for people in our lives and 
like you said, you know, that we're all living in the same society. So we're going to share a lot of these beliefs that, that have been ingrained into us. So thank you again for being here with us and take care. Thank you so much. Thanks to you for listening. Find me on Instagram at Align Nutrition. Let me know if you like this or if you have other topics or ideas for the podcast. I love hearing from you. If you've gotten something out of this, help us reach more people who need this message by subscribing in your podcast app. A nice rating and review also helps us reach more people and is so appreciated. I hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time.